in that. And there's some other events that are going on in the city. I know Awaken, House of Prayer Edmonton, has something next weekend. So if you want to check that out, that's uh, Hope Edmonton, I think, .ca. And they can... Uh, uh, yeah, they have a prayer thing going on. So if you're interested in that, I know Juliana's back there and she knows all about it. And, um, but we're just going to take an offering. And uh, at every resurgence, we don't charge, we don't, um, but it's basically resurgence is paid for. We go from church to church, we bring and speak. That one right there, we'll grab it. And um, uh, I, I first met Ian in um, Winnipeg in August. And, um, we were, we were. Uh, I was there speaking at a at a conference, a, uh, a three day conference in August, and uh, and um, I was there in Winnipeg. Just flew in August twenty fifth, I think, the weekend. And Ian had felt that God had wanted him to be at this conference, and so he lives in Abbotsford. He flew into Winnipeg. He had some family there and was a part of it. And we just connected. Um, we went for coffee, and he goes, "Oh, I'm coming to Edmonton in October." Uh, for the ministry I'm working with, we're doing an event. Would you like to grab supper? And I said, sure, great. So in October, I met him for supper and had no really intention of um, saying, hey, come speak at Resurgence. Just wasn't really, didn't, didn't think of that. Wasn't, wasn't on my heart. And as we start talking and just hearing what's on his heart, it was so evident in the conversation that we had over dinner that I, I at the end of it, said, you need to come speak at Resurgence. Um, I was going to share tonight and felt... No, you know what, Ian, can you come? How soon can you come? And so just feel that what, he's, what the words that God has put in his heart, what he's passionate about, is something that our community needs, that, that is teaching that's going to really go deep and far for where resurgence is going. And uh, so we just, just invite you to um, just to receive tonight what he's, what he's brought. He's a, he's a father of uh, four and uh, got a lovely wife and lives in Abbotsford, and has no snow in Abbotsford, and uh, it's plus nine, and uh, we'll just wait, I know it's, the offering's taken a little while to work through the room, what, there's so much, yeah, right on, right, it's a, yeah, it's good, right on, with the awkward moment of silence, right on. Last time we did an offering one time and I said, Andrew, could you play a song? And he's like, this is the song that Travis wants. And uh, something like that. And it was like really awkward. So we don't get Andrew to do any songs anymore. We just go for the awkward silence. It's much better. Trust me. Everybody said amen, yeah. Right on. Well, Ian, why don't you just come? Thank you. Give him a warm welcome tonight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'll move this over. I'm going to hope I don't feed back up here. We'll see how far. I, I usually like to wander. This thing's a little short. I'm still old school. My iPad is back in my hotel room, and I brought paper. Isn't that weird? I have a phone here, but it's really just for my clock. How many of you like your Bible on your phone? Some of you are no way. I know I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I can't. I'm still, I'm a bit of an older generation, I guess. Um, I, it's really a privilege to be here. How many of you got a little bit of a, uh, maybe a little bit, the healing of the heart was having to do with the fact there's no hockey night in Canada tonight? Anybody? Sorry, did I, I probably, yeah, two, only two. Well, that's good. The rest of us are super spiritual. That's good. Those guys are just honest, so that's great. 
Um, it's really cool to be here, actually. Um, and like, like Travis was saying, it's, it really is an honor. I love being any place where there's just fanatics. To me, fanatics are people that go and they want to actually worship God on a day that's not Sunday. You know, this is a Saturday night. Most people, you know, are out partying or, or doing whatever they do, and you're here. And not only are you here, but you're going after God, which is awesome. So I just, uh, just want to celebrate you guys for that. And you've got to help me out tonight, too. I, I, smiling's good, um, you know, nodding. I'm okay with the, the occasional amen, if you like. Good. Okay. It just, it just helps. Silence, I don't know. I, I grew up in a silent church. And uh, not a big, not a big fan of them, anyways. But I'm trying to, I, I got something on my heart I want to share with you guys. I feel like um, trying to think about how to get into it. But is anybody here? Have you guys ever um, uh, watched TED Talks? You guys all TED? Okay. Well, there was a really cool TED Talk that I saw a while ago, and it was by a guy named Eli Pariser. And I, anybody? Eli Pariser? Anybody? Okay, cool. Um, but uh, what he talked about was something that was intriguing to me, and I'm going to use it as a bit of a parallel to get in the message uh, tonight. Um, so actually, just before I do that, can I pray? Is that cool? I'd appreciate that. So Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord God, your word is seed, and it's spirit, and it's power. So Father, I pray tonight that every heart will be open, Lord God. And Father, the filter of our minds will not impede the seed of the word of God to go deep into our hearts where it can bear fruit. It'll take root and bear fruit. And Father, it is my desire tonight, Lord God, that this wouldn't be my wisdom, Father, but it would be wisdom from above that would make a difference and that people would leave here changed. And so, Father, we just thank you. I just, I lean on you tonight, Father. I lean on, on your anointing and your ability, Father. None of me and all of you, Father, that your will be done in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Eli Pariser did this thing, uh, he talked about the filter bubble of the internet. And so if you've never seen it, let me explain it a little bit. But Eli Pariser was a guy, he, 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 he stumbled upon this really interesting fact, and that is that the, the internet and Google, um, this bastion of, of expanded horizons and broadening our mindsets, is actually doing exactly the opposite to us. And it was a bit of a, a, it was a, bit of a shout out to Google saying, come on, fix this. You know, the internet was supposed to bring you know, bring us all together all around the world and broaden our horizons. And what you're really doing is not doing that. And, and the way he discovered that is he, um, he asked a buddy of his to, I'm trying to remember what he got, he had to search for. I think he was searching for Egypt. And uh, he had, had a buddy of his, two buddies, sorry. One of them, he said to both of them, search, I want you to both search Google Egypt and then screenshot the search results and send them back to me. And what he found was both of those guys, they had completely different results which we would understand, most of us, I guess, now. Um, and that's because w- one of the guys was very political, and all of the search results was, was sent back to him all had to do with, you know, the political uprising that was happening there and the unrest and everything else. The other guy was a bit of a traveler, and everything had to do with hot spots in Egypt and where you can resort and where you can travel. And what he realized was, hey, wait a minute, this is, this is not cool because this, this thing, this Internet supposed to broaden our horizons is actually just reinforcing our own worldview. It's just making it smaller. And, you know, I use that as a bit of a jumping off point to get into the message tonight because I have something special or something specific that's on my heart. And, um, and you know, God is a God of diversity. And, and I think when I see stuff like, like what's happening in the Internet and, and how we're, we're kind of being sold a little bit of a, you know, a false bill of goods in a way, 
that it's really not broadening horizons. And even when I see things like, you know, I'm a Facebooker, I'm a marketing guy, so Facebook is a huge part of what I do. But the whole social media thing, that's really, it sells us the illusion of community, right? Um, and really with none of the commitment and, and all the other things that, that actually go into true uh, relationship. And all of these things that happen, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist, probably a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but uh, I don't look for the devil behind all these, all these things necessarily. But how many do you know that, um, that, that if the devil can just mess up our perception just a little bit of things, he can just take the, the truth and just twist it a bit, that, that he's, gonna, he's, he's won. Amen? And so we need some real clarity when, when it comes to the way that God works and, and how we fall into line with, with what God wants and the principles and the way God set up things. And that's kind of a little bit what I want to talk about tonight. And so um, if you have your Bibles, if you want to, or your phones or whatever you got, uh, open it up to Acts uh, chapter 2, please. I want to talk about a, uh, the meaning of a word that you've probably heard a lot in church circles. I know I... Uh, you know, grew up hearing a lot. It's this word fellowship. Now, when I say the word fellowship, what do you guys think when I say the word fellowship? What's that? Open face buns. Absolutely. I'm, th- I'm pretty sure we were, we were praying before the service in the fellowship hall, right? That's just downstairs. It's always the basement of every church. It means dainties, tea, coffee, awkward conversation. Is this true? Absolutely. Like when somebody says, you know, uh, I remember going, <laughs> my church experience growing up wasn't awesome. And my parents always wanted me to go to the youth group. And it was like, you know, you, or not youth group. It was, well, it was a youth group. It was like four. I grew up in the Anglican church, so it was a lot of white hair, not a lot of younger people. But so youth group was like a time of fellowship, which meant a stale bag of chips, you know, and, and probably stale pop and sitting around in a circle looking at each other, not saying much, you know, fellowship. So that's kind of come to know the word um, of the, the, the meaning of the word fellowship. Um, but how many of you know that the word fellowship is actually a really, really important biblical word? And, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. And I want to talk about it in the context. I'm going to use a different word tonight. I'm going to use the word partnership. This is another word that I feel like, um, you know, has been twisted a little bit. So hopefully we can straighten out some of that tonight. But that's the little different slant I want to bring on this word called called um, koinonia. So if you're in Acts chapter 242, I got to get over there and then we'll get going here. Cool. Now this is, this is really interesting, uh, obviously point of the Bible, if you, if you know in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit fell. And uh, I was just, in studying this, this word koinonia, I just discovered something that was kind of interesting. And uh, in Acts chapter 242, what we have here in, in the writing of Acts is it kind of starts to outline um, Acts 242 to 47. If we read it here, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. There are six building blocks of the church that we see here. Now, the church obviously was born in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell. But one of the words that we, we see here is in uh, 42 is fellowship. It's that word koinonia. Let me, I just want to say this. It's real interesting. But the word koinonia uh, in the Greek, it only appeared actually two times in the New Testament 
uh, before Acts chapter 2, and it, it, it denoted, I think, one time the uh, partnership uh, of two fishermen. Another time was just talking about the partaking of um, people actually participating in shedding the blood of the prophets. It was a quote, but the word koinonia only, only referenced two times. But here, all of a sudden, in the book of Acts, the word koinonia is used to describe for the first time your relationship with God. For the first time. And your relationship with each other. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. It's so important that we understand uh, the way that God has designed things. Now, um, we heard actually earlier on today in Genesis chapter 1, 26, God created us in his image and likeness. And he blessed us. Amen. He, he blessed us. He spoke over us to have dominion, to subdue, to replenish. That, that's our calling right from the very get-go. Adam his whole job, his whole responsibility, first of all, was to enjoy God forever. How many of you know that Adam, when he, when he awoke, when Adam was, was, was born and he awoke, he woke in total rest? Think about that. He, he awoke, everything, everything was there that he needed. His heavenly father was there. There was, there was food. There was all sorts of stuff. Everything he needed was right there. And, 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 we need to understand we're born again, that we are provided for. We, we have been restored back to the garden. You know, a lot of times that's like, I'm amazed in the church how often we, we recognize uh, it's so easy for us to identify with what we call the federal headship. It's a bit of a theological term, but the federal headship of Adam's sin. We can identify with that, but yet knowing that Christ came, delivered us from all that stuff, that we are now back we, we can also identify with the federal headship of Adam's blessing. Amen? He was blessed and empowered. He was made in the image and the likeness of God. That's what you, you were made in the image and the likeness of God. And then you were blessed. Today, we, we heard from Andrew all this, this, uh, this urging. We need the word of God. We need God to speak to us. You know, God's word isn't just directional. It's empowerment. Amen? When God speaks... Inside that word is the very power to bring that word to come to pass. Amen. So that's why it's important that God speaks, not so he can tell us what to do. It's because when we do have a job to do, and we see that from Adam. Adam awoke in rest and he had fellowship with his father, but he was a partner with God right from the very beginning. Right from the beginning. And so it's important for us to to understand and know that we are restored right back to that place. We're blessed. We're empowered to make a difference in this world. And God has designed us to do that. Amen? Okay, so when this word shows up in Acts 2.42, what we understand is the first time it's used to reference our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And that is hugely important. So I want to go now, Ephesians 4. If you want to flip over there. I believe that when the Holy Spirit fell, that there was a demarcation, there was a a fork in the road of every relationship that had been on earth up to that point. When the Holy Spirit fell and the church came, the church was born into this earth by the Holy Spirit, that every relationship now could take two paths. One was a Holy Ghost birthed relationship, and one was one without the Holy Ghost. We were destined to live in communion with God. We saw that in Adam. We've been restored to that now through Christ. And this word koinonia we see happen when the Holy Spirit has fallen and the church has born. Now we understand that there is a new relationship that we have not only with God. It's that same 
relationship that was back in the garden, but we have that same relationship now with one another. There are Holy Spirit-led and guided relationships with one another that are vitally important to ourselves and to the plan and purposes of God. And that's what I want to talk about. Partnership amongst one another, the diversity of believers. And I want to, I want to talk about that in Ephesians, or sorry, Ephesians 4 actually talks, uh, it, it really outlines that. Ephesians 4 is where the church is outlined. Basically, when Paul is talking in the book of Ephesians. Uh, and, uh, and as we read it, it really helps us to see what's so important about this word koinonia. And so if we go to Acts chapter 4 here, it says this. Acts chapter, Acts, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4 and verse 7 says this. But to each one of us, a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. He gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. And we'll just stop right there for just a minute. When we go back to verse 7, it says, To each one of us, to each one of you a grace was given. Every single person in this room has a gift and an anointing that God has given you. We've got to recognize that. You have been blessed with an ability, a measure of Christ's ability. You see, Christ walked in fullness when he was on this earth. But in the sense of his anointing and the giftings and the ability, they've been distributed amongst the body. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody. That makes every person here not only unique and valuable, not just for what you can do, but you carry something. You carry something that's vital to the plan and the purposes of God. And it's vital, I believe, for our own individual lives to grow and to increase, which we'll read a little bit more about right here. And so each one of us has a measure or a portion. Verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. You know, this is really talking about the ministry gifts that have been given. I love their gifts to us. Their gifts. Man, you know, when you look around the body of Christ today, I, I don't know that the common, unfortunately, the common commentary for most people would that they'd be looking at their pastor as a gift to them. But that's what this tells us. The pastors in our lives, prophets, evangelists, teachers, the apostles, they're gifts to our lives. Now, there's a perspective change right there. We've, we've got to shift our dish a little bit to understand that their gifts not everybody has these ministry gifts. There's also, uh, there's other uh, lists of gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians uh, 12 as well. But as an example, you know, we've got a guy right here, you know, Travis leading this ministry. And he's gifted. He's a gifted guy. He's an evangelist. You know, I believe he's an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. There's giftings that God has placed in his life that not only make this possible, but I believe that if, if we recognize our, our gifts to us, that there's a benefit to us. There's a real benefit, and it's, it's because uh, of the Holy Spirit uniting us. So let me, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me go down a little bit more here. So there's a five-fold ministry gift that's so talked about right here. Okay, uh, And 12 says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's for 
us. It's for you. These gifts, these five gifts are for you. They've been given to certain people. Not everybody carries these gifts. But they're given to us for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I really believe this is key for us. When we, we've got to understand that there are diversities of gifts all around us and diversities of people. But we have got to learn to honor the gift of God in people, even when their package, the packaging maybe, is a little different than we would be used to. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? We're not all the same. Not, not all of us you know, operate the same. We, we look different. We sound different. We have different experiences. You got that right. Absolutely. We're different. And I, I don't know. I just think, I love what Bill Johnson says. Anybody listen to Bill Johnson, Bethel? Of, I love what he calls another name for God is Jehovah Sneaky. And so he should be, he should be called Jehovah Sneaky. And, uh, and the reason why I think that, especially in the context of this, is you see, he's put something in other people that you need. And, and unless we recognize that, I, I just believe he, if he, he wants us to understand this so that he can unify his body. Because, you know, what? I, we like people that are like us. Don't you? I mean, we flock together. We find ease with people who are like us, who see the world like us. But, you know, that doesn't strengthen us. You know, back in, in olden days when covenants were, were struck between two families, it was like this one family, and, and they were great warriors, and they're all buff and huge, and they could kill people really good, right? And then over here, there was this other family, and they were, like, really smart, good at business and managing finances. And you see, these two families would come together and they would actually strike a covenant and they would exchange coats and there was a whole ceremony that, that they went through. And oftentimes it, 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 uh, it involved the blood. And they would shake hands, they'd cut their hands, they'd shake hands and they'd form a covenant between two families. But that covenant was born out of difference, not similarities. Because why do we need help in areas we're good at? We need gifts to help us in the areas that we're weak. Does that make sense? And so I think God's kind of sneaky because he, he wants us to understand this. And I think one of the reasons why he's done this is to help bring us together. We know where there's unity, God commands a blessing. So that's why I think this is so vital we understand in the church. I believe we've got to go to another level as the church. We've just got, and I really believe this is a key for us going to another level. You know, let me just break off for a second. You know, when we're looking for a mate, you know, I know I'm looking at quite a few young people here. I don't know how many people are married, but when you're looking for a spouse, you know, we, we need to be praying and asking God about who he wants for us. And, you know, uh, you may be surprised. I mean, you'll feel peace, don't get me wrong, but, but we need to have a different perspective of, of, of marriage. We, I believe, I mean, marriage, inherently marriage is a picture of this. Marriage is absolutely a picture. To see, when when um, when woman was created, basically when Adam was created, he was created in the image and the likeness of God. This is a whole other sermon, but let me just throw it out there. And and God has male and female attributes, right? And we call him Father, but you know, uh, Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God. Well, where did Eve come from? Adam, right? Woman was taken out of man. So in marriage. God unifies the man and the woman so that two now can see as God sees again and has his perspective. 
See, this is, this is all through the word of God. We've got to understand that God has a different way of seeing things. He's not, he's not overly bent on us just being with people that are just totally like us. In fact, you don't be surprised if God starts bringing people across your path that are different than you. Different experience, sound different, look different, have a different gift. Our job is to honor the gift of God that's in them. Because in doing that, we begin to unite the body of Christ. And we begin to be strengthened in areas where we need help. Does that make sense? If you're a business owner, this is huge. This is huge for you too. Surrounding yourselves with different, different minded people. People that can contribute. That aren't, you're not just looking to, to, to work for you and just do what they're told, but actually contribute to the organization with the gift that God's put in their life. You know, we need to look at people differently. And so, these, these gifts are, are, are found in people for the equipping of the church to do ministry. These are the, the, five, the five gifts to edify the body of Christ. Now, this is so interesting because in, in, the, in Ephesians here, Paul uses in, in verse 12 here this reference, the body of Christ. You know, we, that term, body of Christ, um, I think Paul used it for a reason. I, I don't know if you think, I, I'm kind of weird when I look at the word, but I look at stuff and I go, why did Paul use the term body of Christ to describe this? He probably could have used many other terms to describe what the church is to look like, but he used the term body of Christ. Why? Well, it's easy for us to picture. We all have, how many people have bodies? Anybody? I only saw like three hands. So Paul gives us this picture about how the body, he's starting to tell us how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. And because we have bodies, so this should be easy for us to understand. Okay? That's what he's trying to uh, allude to here. He's trying to help us understand the way that God works. All right? It's such a rich image because we all can relate to, to the body of Christ. Um, actually, let me, just, let me just jump off here for a second too because I think this is, this is interesting. Um, if you look just a little bit further, we're gonna, we'll come back to this. If you look a little bit further in Ephesians to chapter, uh, or it's still in chapter 4. Uh, in verse 25, there's this, this really crazy verse that you've probably read before. Maybe it struck you, maybe it hasn't, but it says this in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Whoa. We're, we're members of one another. How, how does that work? The Holy Spirit has united us together. The Holy Spirit has deposited gifts in every one of us. And, and this says that we are actually members of one another. M- amazingly enough, I don't know how many sermons you've heard or comments you've heard on, uh, on people talking about not grieving the Holy Spirit. But let me just read it in that context. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that we have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It's talking about how we treat one another. You know, babies crying in a service doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit, right? Shouting and dancing and, you know, all this stuff, it doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. 
But what grieves the Holy Spirit is how we treat, how we value, how we honor one another. This is, what, this is what Paul is trying to say. He's trying to give us this image. We're the body of Christ. We're interconnected. Now just wait. We're going we're gonna to get into this a little bit more. So verse 13, Paul then starts to shift a little bit into our aim. So he talks about, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a tall order, isn't there? When you think about your pastors and the people who are leading you in the fivefold, that's their aim, (laughs) is to grow us all up, right? To grow us up to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If that doesn't bring some compassion in your hearts towards a pastor or people in full-time ministry in that fivefold calling, that's what the aim is. That's crazy. That we come to a unity of faith, knowledge of Jesus, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And verse 14 tells us why. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. And this is where it becomes personal now for us. So we should not be uh, children. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We shouldn't be children. We shouldn't be deceived, confused, double-minded towards doctrine or truth. We need to be speaking the truth in love, that we grow up into Christ. We grow up into the image of Christ into the, the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, that we begin to be more Christ-like, Christ-looking, that the world would see, see Christ in us, through us, and they would actually be attracted to Christ. They would know that he's real. I mean, does, does that make sense? That this, is, this is what we're to do. We're to grow up into his image. But here's what it says in verse 16. So Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Here, I read this verse so many times, and I never saw this little nuance in this verse. I always thought, here was my, my point as a type A personality pastor, pastor a little bit in the local church, that I thought if everybody would just do their share, we would get this job done, that the body of Christ would grow, that we would, we would step into our fullness, we'd be more effective, just everybody doing their share. Could everybody just do their share? That's what this says, right? That's not what that says. It actually doesn't say that every part is to do their share, or it does say that every part is to do their share, but that's not what causes growth in the body. It says, from whom Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by what every joint supplies. By what every joint supplies. It's not the parts that actually supply the body. It's the joints between the parts that make a supply available to the body. That causes it to grow up. That causes it to be edified and built up in love. Do you see that? So what are those joints? Those joints, I believe, are the relationships we have with one another. The relationships we have with our, with our leaders, our pastors, the way we honor the gift that's in them. Do we no longer regard anybody according to the flesh? But we look at people in terms of the God-given gift that's in them. See, I believe this is what's holding the church back. I really do. 
uh, and, you know, we, we hear it in the terms of unity, and certainly that's what this is about. But we have got to recognize that each one of us, we've got something that somebody else needs, and they've got something that we need. See, God, in God's system, in God's design, in God's government, everybody wins. There's never a winner and a loser. And see, too often I've found that even in, in churches, the way we've presented, and, and I've done it myself as a pastor, here's the vision of the church. Now what I need you to do is serve the vision of the church. Just, just come and serve. Just bring your gift and serve. Do your part. And then the vision that God has given me as a pastor, then we, it'll be outworked and we'll get this thing done. That's not what this is saying. That within church partnership, partnership, that even ministry gifts, that we need to be looking, our whole soul purpose is that, that what's on our lives and the anointing that's on our life is to equip you for the work of your ministry. Whatever it is that God's put on your heart to do. When we start doing that, then the church is going to grow up. Then it'll edify itself. And that same thing from, from the congregation side looking forward. That, that would you understand you've got a part to play in this too. And you see, all of that, all of it though, has to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, how often do we pick our churches based on the style of the music, the color of the paint on the walls, how close it is to our house? Now, these are all things that are, are certainly God is not ignorant of. He's not. He does understand these things, that you may have to drive 20 minutes to a church versus five minutes down the road. But how often are we really seeking and praying that the Lord show us who to connect with? Because he knows who we need. He knows what you need in your life. He knows. And so that's what I love about a place like this, is what's in Travis's heart and his leadership team here. Is I love the, the, the mission of, of resurgence. That, that kingdom would just be oozing out of every person, everywhere you are, and every sphere of influence, that you walk in the fullness of God. But you see, the way that that's made available is by connecting in. The Holy Spirit, I'm not saying even everybody here, necessarily, is the whole, you can come and you can enjoy a service, but there are people, I believe, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to specifically about connecting in with something that's going on here. For others, it might be a church. There may be some of you here that aren't even in a church. That God is praying, God wants you to, to seek his face and seek the Holy Spirit to be led to a church, to a body, not because of what it looks like on the outside or what it seems to provide for you, but where you can take your place and where, where you can identify that there's something that that ministry, that anointing, that gift in that part of the body has for you. And that that would keep you tied and sowing and giving. And on the other side, we hope, you know, churches, again, have that mentality to sow into you, to release you. This is where we need to get to. I really believe it. That we've got to be way more spirit-led because here, I'll show you the proof of it. In this scripture, in verse 16, it says, by what every joint supplies, what every connection between the parts is, that's what's supplying growth for the body. But it says, by which every part does, or sorry, by every joint supplies according to the effective working. That word effective working in the Greek is energia. It talks specifically about the Holy Spirit and his, his working in and through people. That's what that word is. You can go home and check it out. This is not just a bunch of people getting together and doing stuff together. These are people who are committed to one another, honoring the gift of God in one another. And working together and exercising faith in the anointing that's in another person. When you connect to that anointing, that anointing becomes yours. 
I know that's a wild thought. But God, God wants us to walk in fullness. If we all carry a part, then we've got to be connected so that that anointing can flow into my life and my anointing can flow into that life. And it raises all, all the boats float. Does, does that make sense? This is what this is talking about. And I'll give you an example of it. Turn over to Philippians. Turn over to Philippians and I'll show you exactly what Paul is talking about here. The two facets of growth in verse 16. The cause growth to the body is that every part's doing its share, but that they're connected. Connected through the spirit. That no matter what somebody looks like or what packaging is around the gift of God that's in them, that if the Holy Spirit connects us, the Holy Spirit puts on our heart to connect with a person, with a missionary, with a church, with a pastor, with a, with a ministry like Resurgence or any of the other ministries. This is not about Resurgence. I shared this message. I work for Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And, and I'm the, media dire- or the uh, marketing director there. And this, this is a principle that I learned from KCM. I learned it from, from Kenneth Copeland through his materials. I'd love to say that he sat and he just taught me about it, but he didn't. Um, but but w- what we did even just a month ago when we had our own meeting was we just want to empower people to operate this way. You know, when I go on the road, I tell my eight-year-old that she's my partner when she doesn't want daddy to go. And, uh, and, and when, when mom is there looking after four girls by herself, that I tell my eight-year-old, you know what? You're, we're in partnership together here. You know, as a matter of fact, when, when I came here, I told this story actually a month ago when I was here. It's funny because I, I do travel a little bit. Um, and uh, I was packing, getting ready to come here a month ago. And uh, my eight-year-old comes up and says, Daddy, are you excited to go? And I'm like, yeah, no, not really, to be honest. I, I travel quite a bit. I'm like living in a hotel. I'm not that big of a deal. You know, it's, she goes, but Dad, you get to teach people about Jesus. Aren't you excited about that? <laughs> yes, honey. I am very excited about that. Thank you for your perspective. You see, what is accomplished here through my obedience to God, she gets a share of. You, you can see this. You can see these principles in the Old Testament with David. When David went out to fight and he took a, a certain portion of the army and there were some that were left behind just guarding the supplies. That when he came back and they had all the spoils, they went and laid it out and uh, they were going to divvy it up. And all the ones that went and fought said, well, these guys shouldn't get anything. David said, nah, nah, nah. No, there's no difference. The people that supported us to send us out, send us out are the ones that went and fought. There's no difference. We split it up with everybody. This principle has been a principle that God has put in place since the, since the beginning of time. This is his idea. And so it doesn't matter if you're here and you're just unlocking the church. The fruit that, ha- whatever fruit happens here is yours. Because you're connected to this place. Because you've obeyed, the Spirit has connected you in, and you're just doing your part. You don't have to do this part. This part might make you crazy, thinking, wow, I could never do that. You don't have to do it. You know, there was a call today for, for ushers, greeters, or a call just to help. If you feel on your heart that this is, this is something that God wants you connected with, it doesn't matter what you do, the fruit of what is accomplished here comes to you. Not only that, but the anointings available here will flow into your life as well should you put faith in them because that's the principle that God put into play here. You don't seem convinced. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, Philippians. Uh, here we go, Philippians. Man, oh man, this this will this will this will change things if you if you get it. I'm just praying that, that you know, and I know this is this is a lot. I'm kind of throwing a lot out at you here, but. Uh, uh, I'm going to bounce through Philippians, so I just want you to stay with me here. But I want to bounce through it because here Paul again, and he's talking to the Philippian church. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it flows into 9, Travis read it today for offering, but 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is referencing the Macedonian church. And he's talking to the Macedonian church, and he's actually, he's actually um, celebrating their giving and the grace of giving that was on them. The Philippian church is the Macedonian church he's referring to. And when we read this book, what we're really looking at here is, is a letter that Paul's writing to this church that partnered with him. They, they, were, they were connected to Paul. Unlike, and he actually says in chapter 4, unlike any other church, they were connected to him. But I want you to hear some of the language within what he's saying here. Um, in verse 3 it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship. That word can be termed partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have, listen to this, I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers with me of grace. I have you in my heart. There's, there's language here that goes much deeper than just casual acquaintance. Paul is saying, you're, you're my partners. From the first day of the gospel until now, there's been a connection between you and I. And he's praying. He talks about praying for them. And and now he goes into prayer, as a matter of fact, in verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound. So he's he's praying. Even in this letter, he's exemplifying this heart to his partners. He's praying for them. Now listen, this is so cool. Look at this. Now, I don't know if you you know the story about where Paul was when he wrote this book. Uh, Mamertine Prison was this, like, the most disgusting prison that you could ever imagine. matter of fact, it was a prison that was built out of the, um, uh, the sewage repository underneath a palace. That's where Paul wrote this book about being joyful and rejoicing in all things. He was chained to a, to a, a, a wall in darkness. And because he was a Roman citizen, he actually was allowed to get mail, which is a privilege that he got, but, but nobody else would if they weren't a Roman citizen. So it's how he could communicate. And he obviously had some communication even with the palace guard because he talks about it here, about even the palace guard understanding that, that uh, his chains were in Christ. He was obviously he was witnessing to them even from his chains. And he would have had some time during the day just to write a letter. But that's how important the Philippian church was to him, that in this place that he, he, he writes to them to encourage, to encourage them. Wow. Anyway, again, that's a whole other message. But... So he goes on just talking about his chains and talking about kind of the situation that he was in. But here's what it says in verse 19. Because again, he's chained up. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
He had a confident expectation that because his partners were praying for him, the supply of the Spirit that was made available through their prayers was going to be accomplishing him getting out of prison. Did you catch that? There's a supply of the Spirit between those connected by the Spirit. That as he's praying for them and they're praying for him, something is being accomplished that wouldn't be accomplished without that relationship in place. You see in this? He talks about, for I know, again, that this will turn out for my deliverance. He goes on to say the famous verse, verse 21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But if I live on, on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I can't tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, he, which is far better. He, he, he's basically saying, look, I, I believe this is going to work to my to me getting out of here. I, I believe your prayers, the supply of the Spirit, I'm going to get out of here. But man, it wouldn't be that bad to go to heaven. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being with Christ, which is actually far better. But then here, here's the cool thing. Here's what he says. And this is a guy, he's got a pretty good revelation to heaven. He knows what he's missing. Sometimes I don't know, we really know what we're missing. He knew. He'd been there. He'd been there. He, he knows what he's missing. And he says, you know what? It's more needful for you that I stay. He's looking at his partners. He's thinking, no, 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 no. There's more work to be done here. It's more needful for you that I stay here. I'd, it would be far better for me to just have this ended right now and just, just go to heaven and be with Jesus. I mean, he's chained. He's in filth and nastiness. He doesn't know how much longer it's going to take for him to get out of there. He just knows that he's confident, has an expectation that the prayers and the supply of the Spirit will bring his freedom. But what he goes on to say after saying, you know, it's far better for me to go to heaven. No, no, you know what he says? Nevertheless, in verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and join the faith. It was all about them. His, his gifting, his uh, apostleship, everything, his teaching gift, the anointing, the part that he played, he knew was vital to these people. You see the trade, the partnership? Prayer for prayer. He's given his life for them. And now if you keep going a little bit further to the end, I'm going to bounce over all the way to verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. And he says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in regard to need, Sorry, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now he's talking about giving. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Here's what I thought was really interesting, and I just saw this. I was reading this, kind of reviewing uh, on, on, in my hotel room today. I never really saw this before. It says now in verse 15, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving. Even there, he's, he knows there's an exchange going back and forth here. It's not just one way. Even they're giving. That their faith in this partnership, their, their supply financially of him, he recognized here, that's not just a one-way street either. 
You know, when, you, when you're connected by faith, when the Holy Spirit tells you that this is a place to connect to, and you act on that faith by sowing seed financially, there is, again, there's a give and a take that happens. We know that even from God's principles of sowing and reaping. That when we give, it's coming back to us. We don't give to get. We, never, we don't need to do that. We've got it all already. <laughs> so we don't need to give to get. But when we do give, it's God's system. It just starts coming back to us. And this is what he's saying here. He's talking about no other church partnered with me concerning giving and receiving. I love that. I never really saw that receiving part. But even there, he talks about giving and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Listen, not that I seek the gift. He wasn't seeking the money. He'd already told them, I, I know how to abase. I know how to abound. God will look after me. This isn't a heavy for you to give. But he recognized in this grace of giving that was on them, it made something available to them. This partnership thing, it made something available. And he said, I don't seek the gift. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. In this grace of giving in this context, there's a giving and a receiving. There's a partnership that happens. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent to you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And he ends up with this awesome promise. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God. It's like Paul's saying, look, when you look after me, the way that God looks after me is going to come to you. My God, the way that God deals with me, he's going to supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You see, here we see in this book of Philippians, as he's talking to this partner church, this, these people are linked. They're connected to him through the Holy Spirit. There is a supply of the Spirit that's happening, both to the partners and to Paul in prayer. Then he's giving of himself. He's giving of himself. He, he wants to go to heaven, but now I'm going to stay here because it's more needful for you that I serve you. And then here in the end, we see another manifestation of that faith and just another action that's outworked from the faith they had in that connection was that they supported him. And he recognized that in their support, it was just a continuous supply that was going to come back to them. This is God's system of doing things. This is not just about sowing a seed here to meet a need just so uh, some ministry can can go and, and do what's in their heart. That's not all that's involved in that transaction. Anybody familiar with Galatians 6, where it talks about sowing to the Spirit, communicating with those that teach? Turn over there. You're not convinced yet. I can look at you all. I know it's late, but you're all looking at me like, I don't know this guy from Abbotsford, but I'm from Winnipeg originally. Just, just in case you want to know. Does that make it any better? All right, you're laughing too much now. 6.6, six. Galatians 6.6, six, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Share in, all, share in all good things with those who teach. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you'll also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit. Do you see the reference there? Sowing to the spirit. It's not about just... Man, it's not just about supporting some preacher. When, when you, I really believe, even even comes when, when I joked a little bit about, about speaking in a service. When you hear a word and it hits your heart and the Holy Spirit kind of quickens it in your heart and you say, amen. You, you say something. You, you, oh me, oh my, whatever. Yeah, come on. Whatever it is. 
those words, you're connecting yourself by faith to that revelation. That's, that's something that's happening in the spirit. We're far too fleshly minded when it comes to, you know, what happens here. This isn't just about having some uproarious like crowd and, and cheering on the preacher. No, this is about when the spirit speaks, you connect to that thing. And that faith bears out an action. And that action sometimes is speaking. Come on. Yeah. Amen. I agree. That's what you, you're sowing to the spirit. You're getting that seed and you're like <clears throat> stamping it in the soil of your heart so it can go nice and deep, so it can start to take root. That's what you're doing. And it's the same thing with commute. This word communicates the same word. It's koinonia. It talks about sowing, partaking. It li- literally means to sow. When you hear a good word, you hear a sermon, you know someone's got a teaching gift or an anointing gift, and you sow and you support that. You're not sowing to the flesh. You're sowing to the spirit. The devil would love for us to think that money is such a taboo subject in the kingdom of God. We've got to get over it. It's just, this is God's way of doing things. This is his system. Like, we just got to understand that. This is not about, you know, uh, just fleshly support or anything like that. It's, it's deeper than that. This is a Holy Spirit thing. So whether it's doing our part, whether it's praying and believing God to connect us to the gifting and the anointings that we need to be connected to, whether it's church, it could be just a fellow believer. It could be a business person. You know, there's, there's anointings and giftings for business. If you're a business person here, go find a business person. Take them out for lunch and buy them lunch. doesn't matter if they're a millionaire, especially if they're a millionaire. You want a part of that. Listen, you value that gift. It got them somewhere. Amen? So to that. You know, so time, so energy, so whatever. But it's not all about finances, but that's a piece of this. We've got to be more spiritually minded when we pray and just see who God is trying to connect us to within the body. What church, God? What church is it? Well, that doesn't look like a church I go to. It doesn't matter. There's something there that I need you to get, and there's something there they need from you. It's always both ways. It's win-win, always. Well, God... Who, what, what, God, that missionary, man, now my heart's is burning for missions. I want to be a missionary someday. So do it. Give your time to it. Volunteer doing something. Step out. When the Holy Spirit starts speaking, you got to start, start hearing his voice and acting on what he's saying. It's so important. It's the way that God designed for the anointing to uni- be unified in the body and, and the supply of the Spirit to be made available to us. It's partnership in the kingdom of God. It was designed in the garden. When God said, Adam, I need you to go and take this garden of Eden and just replenish the whole world. Like, here it is here, but just take it and just spread it all around the earth. That's what I want. You know, that got hijacked. But when Christ came, he restored that back to us. That the, to take the kingdom of God and spread it around this earth. It may not be a physical garden of Eden, but man, it's a government. It's a system. It's a kingdom. It's darkness being invaded by light. It's, it's lack being invaded by fullness. And it's the fullness that's in you. Amen? But we can't do it alone, nor are we supposed to do it alone. So be praying about who to connect with, where to sow to, you know? Where it is that you should be planting time and energy. Amen? This is God's system of doing things. Man, I know I was a bit all over the map here. But I'm so, this, this is a principle that I just so believe is, is important. Uh, for, for us as, uh, as the body of Christ. 
that if we're going to step into the things that, that really God has for us and has planned for us, we've got to really start seeing things the way that God sees them. I hope you never think fellowship anymore is about open-faced buns. Or at least it's not just about open-faced buns. But, but that it is a, a connection to the Spirit of God, koinonia with our Heavenly Father first, intimate fellowship and partaking. It's all yours from Him. It's all available to you. The Spirit of God is there. But then within one another, to bring unity in the body, to make a supply available to you that you need. God isn't going to connect you to everybody. It's not about everybody. It's about key people. And it may be for a season, but, but this is important, that, that we look for those God-ordained connections in our life. Amen? Let me just, let me pray for you, and I'll turn it back to Travis. Father, we just thank you. Just believe that your word, Lord, um, holds within it um, just keys, Father. We know it does. Father, I just pray that eyes will be opened as they review these scriptures, Father, that you would continue to speak to our hearts about how you've designed your kingdom to work. Father, that you would help us to see people not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit and what you've deposited in people's lives. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your voice, Father that we would be able to, to step out and act on what it is that you've placed in our hearts, the people that you've designed us to connect with, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that as we do that, that we will see our own lives edified, built up, and growing up. And, Father, we will see the body of Christ doing the same in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You know, just before I, I pass it on, um, w- let's just practice it. <laughs> I know we already took um, we took an offering, and that's cool. That's great. So we don't need to do that again unless you feel led. But you saw a bunch of needs that were up on the screen tonight. And, um, and let me just even say the, re- the retreat. I, I know, the advance. The advance. You know, if, if you're here, maybe you're here for the first time. Um, but what, maybe what we'll do is I'm just going to, I want the, the band to just play. And, um, and, and while they're playing, just take some time. Uh, if you feel like you got to, you know, take off, that's cool. You can take off. But why don't you just take some time as the band plays and have a prayer about what was, what was spoken about and what we talked about. And, um, and, and that can include all those things. You could be, you know, just pray about who it is that you feel like you need to connect to. And if it's here, great. And if it is, pray about how. You know, take advantage of, of the opportunities that have been made available. Uh, and maybe that's God's just impulse and you're putting something on your heart. You know, you didn't, doesn't mean you got to give your life away, but, but do something. A- act on it in some, in some way. Yeah, come to Boston Pizza. Come and hang out. Just connect in some way. Take a small step. Uh, maybe it's, it's more than that. Maybe it's you have felt on your heart for the, for the last little while that, you know, God is kind of imp- poking on my heart a little bit to get involved or to do something more. You know what? Come and talk to one of the leaders. Go sign up to serve or usher. You know, if it's the advance, get yourself to the advance. 
You know, I firmly believe even when you, you pay for something like that, that's an investment. God honors that, you know? That's an investment into your future. And so if you act on that, on the Spirit speaking to you and leading you, go ahead, do that. Talk to the, to the crew there. And, uh, you know, it was made available that if you've got, uh, if you've got financial issues that, uh, you know, someone may have already provided that for you, but find a way to connect. If it's not here, spend some time praying about your church. Spend some time praying about other ministries that maybe you visit around town, that, that this is something that God's put on your heart that maybe you need to sow in there. But just take some time. If it is financial, guys, for some people it is. They feel that's their, that's their grace, is giving financially. If you want to do that, just grab an envelope, whatever, and uh, I don't know, we could probably get one of those offering baskets. We'll just put it up here. Just come and just place it, place it in there. Just pray over it. Use it as an act of, of your faith to be connecting to what God's put in your heart to do. Is that cool? So why don't we just take some time to do that? Just have a pray. Listen for the word of God and, uh, and then follow his direction, whatever it is.